I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Unfortunately, we live in a world where difficulties, abuse, and even betrayal happens on a daily basis. This Bible verse is perfect to pray for your children and yourself. Having walked through her own story of betrayal, author Jennifer Lynn Heck knows firsthand the importance of this prayer. She writes about it in her book, Walking Victoriously Through a Fiery Furnace, available on Amazon. In the book, she shares what can happen when we become vulnerable and how God enables us to victoriously overcome. Walking Victoriously Through a Fiery Furnace is written as the story of Victoria Grace, a young woman born with a crippling physical disability who experiences betrayal, but overcomes and receives the healing only God can give. It's designed with beautiful, full-color pages and Bible passages are creatively interwoven into the story. Discover how you and your family can use what Jennifer calls the word-activated response strategy in prayer to defeat Satan's deception and attacks and receive hope and encouragement in your own fiery trials. Get your copy of Walking Victoriously Through a Fiery Furnace now on Amazon. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. To kick off our conversation about angry kids this month, I dug all the way back in the archives of the Million Praying Moms podcast to episode number 17, where we interviewed author, podcaster, and mom, Trisha Goyer, about her new book at that time called Calming Angry Kids. As I tried to plan for this season, I really just couldn't think of anyone else I'd rather share with you on the topic. And so I decided to just clean up the older episode a bit and share it with you again today. For those of you who are new around here, the extra voice you're going to hear is that of my previous ministry partner and co-host, Erin Mooring, whom we all miss dearly. In this episode, Trisha walks us through what she's learned from raising, fostering, and adopting a family of 10 children. You won't want to miss it. Okay, Erin, let's move on to our topic for the day, which I am really fascinated with. And I know there's going to be a lot of moms who are going to be so helped by our guest today on the topic of calming angry kids. Yes, this is a topic that comes up a lot in mom conversations. And I'm thankful for that because having anger in your home can be a huge source of shame for families. And 
we have heard this over and over from moms, whether they were dealing with their own anger or their kids' anger, is they don't talk about it because they are filled with shame about it and they think they're the only ones. And a lot of times we hear from moms who tell us they had no idea they could get so angry until they had kids. I was one of them, like no clue. I don't remember getting really mad about much of anything until I had children and they pushed all the buttons. But (laughs) we talked about this before, Brooke, in your ebook, How to Control Your Emotions. And that addresses your own battle with anger. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. I wrote that a long time ago um, because I felt very much the same way. Like if you had known me in high school, the people that knew me in high school would never, ever have said, Brooke is an angry person. Like no one would ever have said that I had an issue with anger. And it's just like you said, our kids sometimes push all the right buttons and bring things out of us that we didn't even know were there. And the concepts that, that God showed me inside of uh, what became that How to Control Your Emotions ebook I still find myself going back to them over and over and over again, because none of us are ever going to be perfect, but with God's help, we really can do better. And, you know, today we're, we're not focused um, for today's show on our anger as moms, although we will address that a little bit because it impacts our children. We really want to talk about angry kids and our guest is the perfect person to help us know how to reach them and calm them. Trisha Goyer is the award-winning author of more than 70 books. Can you just let that sink in for a just second? Pause like, for a minute. Y'all, I've written four, five, I guess, if you count the ebook. I can't even imagine 70 books. I just, 70 books. And I've read a lot, a lot of, them, of them, but <laughs> not 70. So I got to get to work because I've liked all the ones I read, but 70. And included in that is Calming Angry Kids help and hope for parenting in the whirlwind. That is a true statement right there. She is a homeschooling mom of 10 children and a grandmother of four. And we cannot wait for you to hear her story. Trisha, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I never wanted to be the expert on calming angry kids, but here we are. (laughs) So before we get into that, tell us about yourself and about your family. Sure. Well, I um, was a single mom first. I had my oldest son when I was 17 um, and really gave my life to God then and started praying for my future husband. So that's where my first prayers were answered. Um, and I met Mary John. We got married when I was 18. He adopted Corey and then we had two more kids right away. Um, so by the tw- time I was 22, I had three little ones running around. Um, and then I started homeschooling. We raised them. I thought, we're good. We're good to go. I started um, helping in a crisis pregnancy center and writing books and thought I was just finding my calling for my life. And then God opened our hearts to adoption. So we adopted first um, Alyssa when our youngest was 16. So this is like we're almost empty nesters and we start completely all over again. Um, And that was from a private adoption. And then we heard about kids in foster care. A couple years later, we adopted a two and a five-year-old. Um, and then I thought, really, like, we're done. Like, we're good. <laughs> we added three more. Um, but then even working with teen moms, um, in the first in the crisis pregnancy center and then just in the teen mom support group, so many young women were in foster care, aged out, became pregnant at 17, 18. I thought, someone needs to do something to help these young women. And I kept telling my husband that. And finally, I felt God, like, tapping my shoulder, like, 
why don't you, you know, adopt older girls, give them a home, give them someone to talk to them and encourage them and um, point them in the right direction. And so just in 2016, we adopted a sibling group of four girls. Um, they're now between the ages of 14 and 19. So that has been the crazy journey that we've been on. And I think Honestly, the most challenging thing was the anger that they brought into the home, just from all the hard stuff that they went through. Yeah, for sure. I think we forget, we, we can sometimes have this idyllic picture of what adoption and fostering can be like. And we know that uh, we know that it's good because God's father heart to what, toward us is one of adoption. And we know that it's his, you know, it's the way he loves us. And so we're to extend that to other people when he opens the door for us to do that. But it's not always easy. They do bring lots of baggage, just like we do. I mean, you know, I'm 41 years old and I've been walking with the Lord since I was, you know, I made a decision for Christ when I was nine. I would say I've been walking seriously with the Lord since I was about 19. But... um I still have lots of baggage. We all have baggage and it would be unrealistic to think that bringing kids into your home, that they wouldn't have, you know, some of that baggage as well. So you guys have had to live this message in a very real way. And I know on some levels you're still living it because they're still in your home. And I think that's what makes this conversation authentic is that you're still there in in some ways and the things that you're going to share with us are things that you are actively using in your home to try to help your, you know, any kind of anger issues. And I think, you know, all of us get angry sometimes, right? Like we all have emotional responses. Kids, it's normal for them to get angry sometimes, but sometimes we don't know how to help them or sometimes that anger goes beyond the norm. And those are kind of the things that we want to talk about. So Trisha, in the first section of your book, Calming Angry Kids, you talk about the importance of understanding both your children's anger and yours. What do you mean by this? Well, let's first talk about our anger because I think that surprised me. Um, what, cause I, like you guys, I never would consider myself an angry person and I had raised three kids to adulthood and there was times I yelled or raised my voice, but I would still would not have considered myself an angry person until I have these kids in my home that I cannot control. You know, with Martha biological kids, we could send them to their room or they, you know, we had that relationship where they would eventually calm down and I was able to stay calm. But it just kept, um, you know, I have a, a preteen in my face telling me I'm a horrible person and I just adopted kids to get famous or I don't know, just ridiculous things. I'm like, really? This is, this is not what I signed up for. And just the anger, I find myself just following them to their room, you know, like yelling at them and feeling my pulse racing. And I just didn't know this person. I remember talking to um, one of the therapists. I'm like, I don't even understand the person um, that I become. And one of the things that really helped was she, uh, she told me, well, first of all, anger is a natural response. And know that, you know, when a situation is happening with our kids, our hearts will start pounding. We will feel those emotions inside us because our body feels the anxiety, of, you know, the fight, flight, and freeze. Like we want to react. And so just know that our body's naturally going to respond to that um, because we cannot control the situation. So that really kind of helped me like, oh, okay, this is like everybody's body will respond in these ways when they're dealing with the situation. So that helped me. But another thing that um, the therapist said is the child, when they are angry, they want you to get angry because suddenly it's, it takes it off of them. 
So if the child is doing something wrong um, and we get angry, suddenly it's like, you're yelling at me. And then what do I do? I apologize. I come back to them. And then suddenly it's not about what they did. It's about me and my emotions. And so she said, when you stay calm, you win. And that, that really helped me. And the third thing she said is don't escalate with your child. Um, because when you are escalated to no one is thinking, it moves from the thinking brain to the emotional brain, you have two people that are not thinking that are just emotional. And not only can we not be a good example to them, but we aren't thinking so we'll say things you're grounded forever, you know, whatever, we're, we're not logical. So that really helped me just her making me realize, like, first of all, it's common, like the emotions will happen to everyone. Second of all, when I stay calm, I win. And then third of all, we need I need to stay in my thinking brain. I can't escalate with them. Um, I need to keep myself calm. And so that has really helped me. And so in the moment, I'll just be like, you know, relaxing my hands because often our fists ball up, take some deep breaths, send up a prayer and tell myself, when I stay calm, I win. So that, that's kind of dealing with um, the uh, my own emotions. I really love that you said that. And we had a clear example of that. I, I have said before on the podcast that I I'm a, I'm a reactor. I am. I've always been a reactor. My first gut response is to react and, and then to begin thinking and then to begin finding my way back to what is actually happening rather than that, you know, emotional response or that feeling brain. That's just the way I am. And with God's grace, the amount of time that it takes me to be in that emotional place before I can get to the thinking place over time has become smaller and smaller. But I, I feel like there's um, maybe an element of that that I may always deal with. And un- unfortunately, or fortunately for me, you can <laughs> run with it either way. God has given me one of my children as a reactor as well. And so when we get in the same room and we're both in that reacting space, it's like, you know, like it just, it explodes and escalates to crazy levels before, I mean, before you can count to five. And so the other day, this was beginning to happen in a car ride home from somewhere. I could feel it. I knew it. I could feel it in my emotional response. I could feel it in my physical response. I knew he was getting to that place. And we walked in the house and I said, I need you to go to your room. And he didn't like that. Not at all. He didn't want to go to his room. He felt like he was being punished. But I had to explain to him, look, I'm not punishing you, but you and I need a break from each other. I need to go cook dinner. And you need to go in your room because both of us are unreasonable right now. I can't reason with you from an unreasonable place and you can't be reasoned with in an unreasonable place. And so we have to, for the sake of our relationship, take a minute and be apart from each other until we can calm down and then talk about this. And so it was so good. And he still didn't like it because he, he didn't like me is a, he's a, you know, a less mature version of me. I would say he wanted to tackle it right that minute. And that's how I would have been too at, at his age. I want to deal with it right now, but I hope that I'm teaching him in my own efforts to stop and calm down that, you know, there's wisdom in that there's, there's so much more we can do once we get out of the feeling brain and back into the thinking brain. And I have to tell you, I really love as a competitive person. I really like that you just said, when you stay calm, you win, because that kind of helps me (laughs) think about it from a different perspective, because I do want to win. And I admit that I do want to be right 
with my kids. I like to be right. And so if you frame it that way, to me, it feels like, okay, I'm going to win if I can be quiet. And that helps me to be able to do that. So that was great insight. (laughs) Thank you. I love that. Okay. So at the end of Well, let's, I tell you what, let's step back for a second because you were talking about our anger, but let's talk about our kids' anger. Like how, how do we understand it? How, how do we make sense of it? Because I know there have been times when I've looked at my children and said, what in the world do you have to be angry about? Like, I just don't even understand sometimes where it's coming from. So give us some insight into that. Absolutely. Well, one of the um, things that also helped me is the therapist talked about their anger and basically anger is outward evidence of something wrong, some kind of chaos or um, the emotional um, disruption internally. So externally, they're showing anger because internally something is going wrong. And so, you know, that's obvious, like if they stub their toe or someone says something, but sometimes we can't even understand what's going on internally. So really, it just helps when we see that anger. I think one of the first things we do um, that will help is to acknowledge it and just by saying you are angry. Because I think so many times we say, um, you know, calm down, don't act that way, you know better than that. And I know when I'm angry and someone says calm down, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really mad. Like, and, I, and often it's justified. So there's something that's justifiably getting them angry. And when we just say, you are angry, and then we can say, do you want to tell me about it? Then they're able, again, to move from their emotional brain to their thinking brain. So first of all, just seeing that as if there's something wrong in their world. Now, Often, especially if they're younger or if they come from trauma, they don't understand what's going on. Like they cannot tell you I'm feeling this way or I'm feeling um, emotional about this. They just immediately burst in anger. And I have a a perfect example of this. We were out camping and I had um, all six of the girls with me. So they were between the ages of six and I think 15 at the time. And I thought it'd be a good idea to go with these other moms camping with all our girls. And my littlest one burnt her finger. So she's crying. She's mad, angry because of a physical pain. But then the, one of my twins, who was 13 at the time, came up and um, I was putting ointment on the, the younger girl's finger. And she said, I burnt myself last night in the s'more. And she took it from me. And I said, and I probably was short with her. I'm like, just a minute. I will help you because I'm dealing with this, ang- you know, this child that's screaming because she's in pain. And in that moment, when I told my 13-year-old just a minute and I took the ointment back, she flared up into anger. She they was immediately mad and she stormed off. She was going to run away. Um, Then her twin was mad at me for treating her that way. And then the 15-year-old was mad because um, uh, she was sure we were not going to adopt them. This was before the adoption was final. So she's angry. And then, so I said, we just need to pack everyone up, get everyone home. And then the other two were angry because we were going to have to leave. So this is a lot of angry people, but they were for different reactions. So what I realized with my daughter is the 13-year-old is all her life, people have told her that they would care for her. And then took that away from her. There was foster parents. There's that a failed adoption. So in the moment when suddenly I didn't care for her, she felt abandoned. She felt unloved. And that made her angry. My other girls were angry because my 15-year-old, she was worried about the adoption. The other two were angry because they had to leave camping. And so all these other, I mean, anger showed itself in all the kids. But for each kid, it was a different reason. There was something going on. And so really, it's just stopping. And in the moment, like in that moment, I just needed to get everyone in the car. It's not like I saw through this in the moment. But with our kids, often if it's just one child, 
child or physician situation, say what is really going on. And sometimes it is an emotional thing. Maybe they haven't had time with us and we, they just feel like we're picking on them or we're demanding too much and they don't feel that connection. They don't feel that relationship. Sometimes they're tired. Sometimes they're hungry. We have some kids that are get hangry. Like when they are hungry, they are mad. And so it's really us saying something's not right in this my child's world and what is going on. We just had just last week a big emotional blow up with one of our daughters and she's been doing really, really good. Well, this guy that she liked, she found out that he'd been lying to her and had a girlfriend. I didn't even put two and two together. I'm like, why is she in such a bad mood? Which then I remembered just the night before she found out this guy she likes had a girlfriend. So it's that that stuff you have to stop and think about what is really going on. I think so many times we jump to discipline. We jump to telling them to change their attitude instead of just saying, oh, I'm so sorry that, you know, you have these emotions and that really stinks and you have a right to be angry, but let's just control yourself around your family. Like let's, let's work on calming down, but really going back and seeing what is going on with our kids. Do you notice a theme, Brooke, in all of our podcasts? We need to know our children. (laughs) If you're listening, you have heard this, us say this a million times about being a student of your child. And this is just another in the list of reasons why we need to be a student of our child. Because if we don't know to look for these things, if we're not really studying what else is going on, then we can't get to the heart of it. Yeah, for sure. And I know I do try. I'm not going to say I'm 100% perfect at it, but I have found that when I look at my child in the middle of, you know, whatever emotion it is, anger or whatever, and I just validate that and I say, I understand why you feel the way you do. It's okay for you to be angry. It's okay for you to feel, you know, attacked right now, or it's okay for you to feel the way you're feeling, but it's your response to that feeling is not okay. So let's work on that. When I address it and I say, I get it, I understand, I I name it, it's okay. They seem to respond to me better than if I just, you know, go at it and try to change it. And I I think it's just because they're human beings. I prefer for someone to say that to me as well, to validate what I'm feeling. And, you know, I think there is a time when our our feelings can lead us into sin and our feeling, you know, those we we don't have to allow our emotions to control us, but we do have to to uh, to recognize that as humans, we are going to have those feelings. And our children, in theory, are way less mature and way less capable of handling them than we are. And I have to remind myself as a parent sometimes, that's your job. It's your job to teach them how to handle these things. And if I'm not handling them well myself, then I'm only perpetuating the issue in our home, which is a hard one to accept, but it's the truth. Today's show is brought to you by our newest prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child. Anger is such an issue in the world today, isn't it? And I'm afraid our children are struggling because we struggle. Keyboard warriors, righteous typers, out of control mouths and emotions, losing it on game officials and fights with other parents over youth competitions. The world we live in can be very ugly, friends, and social media has emboldened us to say and do things most of us would never have done before it came. I'm afraid we're not doing a good job of demonstrating restraint, peace, reconciliation, and just simply how to do hard things together for our children, and it's taking a toll on them. 
I think most of us know these displays of anger are not helpful or holy, not in us and not in our children who don't yet have the ability to process or the maturity to temper themselves the way we do. Parenting can be a challenging experience, and when you have an angry child, it can be downright difficult. Children who struggle with anger can be easily triggered, and their outbursts can be distressing for both the child and the parent. However, there are ways to help your child manage their anger, and one of the most potent tools is prayer. Praying for your angry child is essential because it's a way to invite God into your child's life. As parents, we want the best for our children. We can read books, attend therapy sessions, and try different techniques. Ultimately, we are still trying to determine what we can do. However, when we pray for our children, we ask God to intervene. We acknowledge that we can't fix everything independently and surrender our children to God's care. Praying for your angry child doesn't have to be complicated or time-consuming. It just has to be done. In praying God's word for your angry child, you'll pray for God to work in your children's hearts to know where the source of their anger comes from. Stop relying on their own understanding. Be angry without sinning. Let go of bitterness. Be slow to anger. Hold anger in check and gain compassion, understanding, and the ability to forgive for your own heart. With biblical teaching on anger, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. Download your copy of Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child now when you visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Trisha, one of the things that I really liked about the book is that it does have a lot of practical application. You really are encouraging moms to dig in and take a look at what's causing the anger. Where is it coming from in your home? Not just to be reactors themselves, but if you want to overcome and you want to help you're going to have to do some work and figure things out. And so at the end of chapter one, you encourage your readers to make a list of things that seem to trigger their child's anger. What are you help? What are you hoping to help them accomplish with that list? And I think once we see the list and, and I think with each kid, it's going to be different things that we see are going to trigger their anger. Once we have the list, then first of all, we can help with some of those situations. So my kids that get hungry, I know if I'm going to the pool, I just need a pack snatch. Like that is a simple thing that will solve a big problem because otherwise they're angry and they're yelling at each other in the car and we get home and they get in trouble and they spend the night in their room. And, it would just, and just by packing snacks like can help it. One of my, actually my biological daughter, um, when she was little, I realized like she would get to church and she would get angry and she'd get frustrated and people try to talk to her and she'd like stomp her foot. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I figured out she was, didn't know how to, interact with people. So when people come and talk to her, you have pretty hair, I like your dress. It was the anxiety that would lead to anger. And so what we did is we just role played. So the situation is going to happen. We're going to go to church. Miss Sally is going to ask you um, about your pretty hair or your dress or going to tell you, you know, how was your week? And all you have to say is thank you or I had a good week. And so we role played that and the anger stopped because I taught her, like I saw She's getting angry. It's due to anxiety. She doesn't know how to react. And we role play the situation. So if you see that there's a certain situation that your kids are in, you can role play. You can teach them. 
Um, and then once we figure out the things that make them angry, tell them, like, I could see that you get angry when you're tired. So, and then you're training them to know how to respond. And then later we could you know, train them how to act, how to react, how to calm themselves down. But first of all, we need to become aware. We need to help them. And then we need to make them aware of the things. And sometimes now that I have older kids, the ones that were their most difficult, you know, bedtime was a big thing. And they say, I'm tired. I'm starting to get cranky. I'm going to go to bed. I'm like, hallelujah. Like just teaching them because I was aware of it first really made a huge difference in our home. I kind of feel like I need to make this list for myself. What are my, (laughs) what are the things that trigger my anger And usually I'm hungry or tired, (laughs) but like, honestly, it's just good to recognize the things that set us off as well as what sets our kids off and to be proactive instead of reactive. I feel like we're raising a generation of really self-aware people, which is good. It's really good that they would understand those things because I know, I know adults that have no control over anger and, and no idea what stimulates their anger and they don't even care what it is. So I love that we're choosing to do this differently and saying, you know what, you don't have to stay there. It, yeah, your response to that was sin, but we don't have to stay there. We can give you the tools to overcome that. One question I had about that, Trisha, you said that uh, some of the things on the list you'll be able to deal with easily, like, you know, bringing snacks to the pool or whatever. What do you do with the ones that are not so easy? Yeah, that's a good question. I think when there sometimes sometimes it's a character flaw in our kids that we need to work on. Um, you know, sometimes it is just a response to other people. Um, you know, when we, there was difficult situations, it does take stepping back. And it's not something like I could pack a snack. It's like, I really need to talk to my child about this. Um, so about um, putting other people down or on self-control or one of our daughters, actually the thing that we finally figured out was that she had a victim mentality. So anytime someone said like, I got an A on my test, she would get mad and say like, I'm not stupid. And we're like, what, how is that, you know, what is going on with that? Because it wasn't like the person was attacking her, but she would get angry and get mad. And so really over the course of months, we talked to her and we would explain, and she didn't hear it at first and she was older. So this, she was probably 13 or 14 at the time. We say, you know, you see yourself as a victim and that person is not acting out. And so just making her aware, um, we would you know talk about scripture verse, we would pray together. And so sometimes it isn't a quick solution, but we can figure out this is what our child is feeling. This is something that we see. And so as parents, we can work. And because I homeschool um, a lot of the scriptures, I would pick for us to memorize were things that I saw maybe a certain child is having an issue with, but we would all memorize that scripture together. Or, <laughs> yeah. So, and really just, it takes time to look at those things and to, to figure out what it is. And it, sometimes it isn't a quick fix. So now that we are beginning to understand where the anger is coming from, what are some practical next steps a parent can take to help change that tide of anger in their home? Like, you know, or even if somebody's like, I don't see this anger in my house, can they stop it before that cycle of anger before it starts? Let's start with if they're already in that place, there's already anger in the home. What can they practically do to change that? 
Yeah, well, I have some good steps that I think are probably easier than um, people would think. So when we first went to therapy with our little guy, so he was about three at the time, um, the therapist is like, we're going to do this. And it's a certain name. I don't even remember the name of it. But basically, it is spending one-on-one time with that child. And I'm like, wait okay, we need to talk about like timeouts. We need to talk about like all these other things. And she's like, no, this is your assignment. For every day, you're going to spend five to 10 minutes with him, go to your room or someplace where no other child is, have a special box of toys. And during that time, I want you to um, say what he's doing. I want you to repeat what he says. And I want you to praise him. And we would be in a therapy office, the ones that had like the, the glass where she's watching me at an earbud. And she's like, okay, he's lining up the cars. Tell him you are lining up the cars. And he just said blue car. So you repeat blue car. And I thought this is the most ridiculous thing. Like how in the world is this going to help with my child's anger? But we did it five or 10 minutes a day. And what I realized, and, and the anger did improve like a ton. What I realized is that I was just like directing him. I'm this big person that's telling him what to do, telling him to stop doing that. But we didn't have the bond. He didn't feel bonded to me. So anytime I told him to do something, he's rebelling. He's getting mad. But when I'm, I'm seeing what he's doing, I'm making him feel seen and then repeating it. I'm making him feel heard and then praising him. I'm making him feel like he's a worthy person. Like, good job. You're doing it. And, um, and then he's in control because he's picking the cars. So all that really made him feel like I cared about him. We had the relationship and the anger changed. And so sure enough, as we got the older girls, we're going to therapy and she's like, I have this activity for you. I want you to spend five and 10 minutes a day. I'm like, oh my goodness. It was the same thing for my teenager. And the, the, my teenager's in the office. She's like, yeah, mom, just me five and 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, first of all, I had no interest like this. This is a child I'm having conflict with. Why do I want to spend this 10 minutes just with her? But it was like we would paint our nails. We would drive to the, the post office, check my mailbox there and get a smoothie. We would, One time she like helped me sort through all my reader mail that I get in my P.O. box. Like it was this random stuff. But again, she's feeling seen. She's feeling heard. She's feeling like I care about her. And that five and 10 minutes really did. So I think so many times we're so used to just directing our children without really focusing on them. So that made a really big difference. And then another thing is to teach them how to calm down. Um, and so we, we did that with calming bags. Um, and this works from three-year-old all the way to you know 16-year-old. Give them ways to calm down. So we would make a calming bag. You do a paper bag, a gallon Ziploc bag, a basket, and put like Play-Doh in it, put bubbles. Bubbles are really good because bubbles, they breathe in, they blow out. So they're doing the breathing technique. Um, One of our daughters likes to walk around the block. So my cue to her is like, why don't you take a walk around the block? And that just helps her get the emotions out. Um, If they warm their, put their hands under warm water or take a shower, if you have the opportunity, teach them ways to calm down. And even we went to Florida Um, And it was just me and my older son taking all the kids. And before we left, I sat everybody down. I'm like, we're going to make calming bags. Here's stress balls. Here's Play-Doh gum. We put gum in there because sometimes just that motion helps them calm down. And I said, on this trip, you're going to get stressed out. We're going to be in the van. We're going to be in this little condo and let them know these are ways to calm down. Sometimes we don't teach kids. Like we're just like, calm down. And we didn't teach them like, go squeeze a stress ball. Go put your hands under warm water. Go, you know. Um, bounce a basketball. We need to teach them what works for them on how to calm down. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of these things that you're saying are good proactive things as well. Like we said, how do you stop the cycle of anger before it starts? Well, 
you can, even if you haven't seen anger in your child, you can talk to them about, have you ever started to feel mad about something? Like, what could you do when you do that? So if you're a mom that's listening right now and you're like, I haven't really seen that in my child or in our home, it's okay to still talk about it, right? I mean, and have them know how to react when they do feel that because I don't think there's anybody that's ever gone through life never getting mad about anything. (laughs) I mean, and if we're teaching them ahead of time, that could be what stops that cycle before it even starts. And like you said, every kid is so different. Like there's so much variety in what could calm them down. I have one who going to his room makes him matter. Like that just, you know, amps him up. And another who needs that, who needs to go and think and process before we have any more conversation. So like the proactive steps could be the same, knowing the child and what, you know, what they react to and how they react when you talk to them. And also just proactively teaching them. These are some things you could do if you are feeling mad. Yeah, I know for one of mine, um, I have one of those boys that is just very physical. And if he doesn't get enough of a physical outlet in the day, we're going to struggle. Like, and God bless his teachers at school. Like he's going to struggle there too. You know, like he's got to have some kind of physical outlet and wearing him out physically. And it's been this way since he was a a little boy. Um, Wearing him out physically has always equaled a better emotional day for our family. It's just the way it works. And sometimes that's inconvenient, but it's something that I've learned about him over the years. I have another one that loves to play music and I've learned that he, uh, he started self-soothing himself with music when he was very young. He would get mad and he would go into his room and, and pick up his, his fiddle and just start playing Amazing Grace or, you know, something like that. And now he's, he's learning to play the guitar and I'll hear him in his room just picking at the guitar a little bit too. And I actually had to tell him to stop the other night because it was midnight and he was still playing his guitar and I was trying to go to sleep. But you know, some of those patterns will emerge as our kids get older, like what they want to do and how they can soothe themselves. So Trisha, I know that anger can be a cycle. We start to escalate and then it, you know, if, if we don't use some of those things, if we don't teach our kids to soothe themselves and to calm themselves and it just will blow the roof off the house. If you start seeing that cycle happen, apart from the things that we've already talked about, what are other things that we can do to stop it before it gets to that point? Because I know for me, I've, I've tried sometimes to look at my child and say, you're getting angry or you need, and sometimes like just pointing it out can make it worse. Sometimes like Erin said, she has a child that doesn't like to go to her room or be removed. It makes it worse. Sometimes just identifying it when they're already, when the cycle has already started can move it on to the next level. So what are some things that we can do to help with that? Yeah, well, there's two types of cycles. There's a cycle that we see when we see kids revving up. So we'll talk about that first. And then we'll talk about like maybe a habit of anger that happens over days. So first of all, when we see them revving up, um, you know, if we know our child, then we can we can say, you know, go get your calming bag. I have one that if I don't give her enough like physical touch during the day, she I could see her start revving up. And so I'll say, come here. 
And at first she's like, no, she doesn't want to hug. But I know if I just hold her on my lap and literally just hold her for five minutes, just like stroke her hair. And so figure out when we see them revving up, okay, there's something going on. We know this is going to get bad. We know this is going to explode. So how we can stop, how can we stop it? Some of our kids get overstimulated. So it is, they, they want the quiet. Other kids were like, here's a basketball. So that's kind of the, when we see them revving up. But then there's the kids where we see like, this is something that's happening over and over and over. And there's actually two ways that help that. One of it is um, we can praise when they do things right. So um, if we have a kid that gets angry and throws toys and is, you know, do, actually acting physically, as soon as we see them calming down, even in the little list a manner, we start praising them. So with one of our daughters would be this big rages. As soon as she takes a breath, I'm like, great job calming down. And she's like, really not calming herself down. But I'm all of a sudden she's like, oh, wait, I'm getting praised. Okay, I want that. And so um, my other little guy, he would throw toys. He would get like really mad, start throwing toys. If it was in the direction of the toy box, I'd be like, great job cleaning up. And he's like, suddenly like, oh, wait. <laughs> and so it kind of, um, you're praising them for something good instead of always like focusing on the negative. So that really helps. But another thing, which is so crazy is one of our daughters every night, um, she, she's probably 13, 14 at the time, every night before bed, she would do something to get angry and to get us mad. She would say something. She would be rude to her siblings. She would do all these things. And I'm like, what is going on? And I talked to her therapist and we would spend like an hour, like talking to her. You can't talk to us that way. You can't treat your siblings. You can't slam the door on your sister when she's trying to brush her teeth, you know, all these things. And the therapist is like, oh, so you're doing this like every night. And I'm like, yeah, she's like, she's getting a lot of individualized attention every night for being angry. And I'm like, I never thought about that before. We have a busy house, but when she get angry, then we talk to her, we pray with her for doing all these things. And so she said, I want you to ignore it. Whatever she does tonight, act like it is not happening. I'm like, are you kidding? She's like, no, just like completely like, don't look at her. Don't give her any attention for that negative behavior. And so sure enough, that night she said something. I can't even remember what she said, but um, all the other kids went up to bed and she was acting out and raging and being mad. And my husband and I are in the kitchen and we could see like into the living room, it's like open. And we're, I'm like looking at him across the island and I'm like, how was your day? And he was like, it was good. And she's like getting madder and madder. And we're like, so what should I make for dinner tomorrow? <laughs> like we're completely ignoring her. And then she realizes like it's not getting her any attention. And so she went and got the lighter and went and started lighting candles all around the house. But she's not supposed to do that. And she's like, oh. And she'd hold the candle. If I drop this, the house will catch on fire. You'll never get the other kids out. Like she's just trying to provoke us. And I'm like, so what are we going to do this weekend? Are you going to mow the lawn? <laughs> like we're completely ignoring her. Well, then... Um, I had just gotten a whole box of curriculum, like all the books brand new in the box. We hadn't even taken them out. The box was open, but I hear her in the other room saying, these are, these books must be really expensive. And I hear rip, rip, rip. And oh, suddenly, no. yeah, and I'm like, Oh, that's my homeschool books. My husband's like, just ignore her. And I'm like, what? he's like, it'll be okay. So finally we're like, well, we'll just go to bed. And so we walked past the dining room, didn't even look in there, didn't give her any attention, went to bed. And the next morning, the first thing I remembered is she ripped up my homeschool books. So I run in there and I look and she had been ripping up binder paper. She was just trying to provoke me. But the thing about it is the next night when we said, okay, time to go to bed. She's like, okay. And she went to bed with everybody else. Like she didn't get that attention from us. And I think sometimes 
that's another reason kids, when they get out, act out, they are getting a lot of attention from us. So instead of the negative attention, if we're giving them positive attention, it's amazing. And I've seen it with many of my kids. It breaks the cycle of that repeat thing when we're focusing on the positive instead of the negative. Yeah. And sometimes that's really hard to do. Like I imagine as you thought you were, you know, losing an investment, that was a financial investment. (laughs) Talking to two people who have homeschooled before, like we, we get how much of an investment that is. I would have been freaking out as well. Um, it's hard to ignore bad behavior, especially when you think they're, you know, I, I feel like sometimes my boys wrestling around at night trying not to go to bed, they're going to break the house and then I'm going to have to fix it. And that's a, you know, that, the, the financial part of it worries me sometimes. But um, really, it, it is, you know, it, it makes me believe that if we're doing a good job of filling their tank throughout mm-hmm. the day, and giving them attention that they want throughout the day, positive attention throughout the day, that that may lessen it as well at night. So love that you shared that. You know, Trisha, we um, in this ministry are very focused on teaching moms how to pray through the various seasons of their lives and situations of their lives. And we, our mission is very much that moms would stop looking at prayer as a last resort and that they would begin to see it as the first and best response to the issues that they're going to face in life in parenting specifically. So I would love it if you could share with our moms, some of the things that you think should top their list, their prayer list as they are dealing with an angry child, what should they be praying for that child? Absolutely. Well, the one verse that I just keep going back to again is Galatians 5, 23 um, 22 and 23, which is the fruit of the spirit. Um, that they will have love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, because really, we can control their actions to a point. And we can remind them how to be good. And we could give them all this positive thing. But really, as they grow older, it is going to be the Holy Spirit in their lives that is going to change things. It's going to make them peaceful. And, I'll, and I've you know, told them, uh, we, we've memorized this. We've talked about this. I pray over them. I pray this over them as in the morning time when we're um, doing our Bible study. And then I see my kids, they'll they'll start praying for that for themselves, um, my older ones, because um, it is really the Holy Spirit inside that is going to give them peace. The Holy Spirit inside that's going to give them self-control. We can only control them so far. And as I've seen my kids pray this for themselves, I've been shocked. Like, I've, you know, they'll say, I was getting angry, but I remembered the Holy Spirit can help me have self-control and they can tune in because I'm not always going to be there. We're, I mean, our job is to raise adults and they need to focus on the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I pray over them and then encourage them to pray over themselves. And I've seen a huge, huge difference, especially in our older girls, um, just learning when they can turn to God, when they can turn to the Holy Spirit inside them, um, that makes all the difference. Well, you kind of answered this question then already. (laughs) um, We, like Brooke said, we're focusing on what we're praying for our kids. And we always like to wrap up our shows by asking our guests to share a verse or passage that they are currently praying for their children. So that's one, Galatians 5, right? Um, Is there any others that you would like to share that you're specifically praying over one or all of the kids? Yeah, well, one thing I'll just say, um, kind of... In general, one thing that I do is I pick a child because I have 10 of them. I pick a child through the year and I pray through the Bible for them. And I have that Bible 
And so every day as I'm doing my Bible reading, I'll like buy a specific Bible and that's that child's for that year. And then as I'm going through that day's reading, I usually try to read two or three chapters. I will pick a verse and then I'll pray something for that child um, in the Bible. And so, and I've done that with my um, older three. So I'm on my fourth child with that. And so daily, whatever I feel like it's something that's pulled out of scripture. So like this morning I was reading um, just about, uh, Zachariah when he was in the temple and, you know, he saw the angel there and he was fill, filled with fear. Um, and the angel says, do not be afraid. I heard your prayer. And I was just praying that my child will know that God hears their prayers. And so, you know, really every day as I'm reading, I think there's something like we could, you know, we're getting stuff, of course, for ourselves, but I also think we could pull something out from our reading to either pray for a specific child or pray for all our children um, from what we're going through in that day. I love that so much. You know, we have a passion for praying God's word over our kids and that it's just a really fun, different way to approach it. I really like that a lot. And then what a gift to be able to maybe give that Bible to your child when you're done praying through God's word for them. That's beautiful. Trisha, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing just some really fantastic practical tips for dealing with angry children. Would you take just a second and tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and follow you? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, my website is just trishagoyer.com and Trisha's T-R-I-C-I-A, Goyer's G-O-Y-E-R.com. And on Facebook, um, it's author Trisha Goyer, Instagram's Trisha Goyer. So pretty much if they put my name in there. And I love connecting with people. I love um, encouraging them. So, you know, they're feel free to send me a message on Facebook or um, any of that, because I, I really love um, just knowing that when people are going through stuff, just having someone who can understand, even if it's just me saying, I'm, I understand and I can pray for you, that makes a big difference. Yeah, I was going to say, you are a very fun person to follow on Facebook, and you always have fun questions for people to answer. And I love reading everybody's responses to it. So make sure you get connected with Trisha on social media there. And um, as always, you can find any specifics from our show in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Thanks for hanging out with me today, friends. Don't forget to get your copy of the new prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child. You can find it and more information about Trisha Goyer now in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Till next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Do you wish you could have a short, sweet, simple something to pray for your kids this summer that sincerely asks God to move in their hearts, is easy to use, and maybe even encourages your heart too? Sign up for a summer of prayer with Million Praying Moms. Each morning this summer, you'll receive a simple scripture-inspired prayer for your child in your email inbox, just one a day. We'll work our way through the book of Romans, asking God to do things like turn their hearts toward Him, follow Him, trust Him, put their faith in Him, stand up for Him, and be obedient to Him. Get signed up right now in today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. 
Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more. 